you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. John 17. Let's read the word. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them have been lost, has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also might, may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Thank you, man. Good morning, church. So good to be back with you. Welcome back. Welcome to 2023. Welcome to City on a Hill. If you're new with us or you're visiting or you're on holiday or it's a new year, so you're kind of checking out new things and Christianity is one of them, you are welcome with us. So good to have you here with us. So good to have you with us online as well. My name is Ben. I am one of the pastors here at City on a Hill. And I hope, like me and Ease, you are still full of the kind of optimism and expectation that we get at the start of a new year with all the the possibilities that lie before us. As a, a movement of churches, we thought we would start this year as we mean to go on in prayer. Uh, we're going to take all of January to dig into the, the theory and practice of prayer, and we're actually going to do some praying as well. So why don't we do that now as we open up God's Word together and explore this prayer in John 17. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you prayed, that you model prayer for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you pray for us. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your Word today and as we reflect on the passage that Min has read for us, that you would stir in us a desire to pray and to spend time with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, first question, so that we're on the same page, what is prayer? What are we talking about? Well, according to church fathers for the last 2,000 years, guys like Clement of Rome or Ignatius of Antioch, prayer is the breath of the soul. It's an intimate conversation between creator and created, between father and child. And it's a conversation that God initiates as we see. It's one of the greatest gifts God has given to humanity. And so that is why we want to spend this month taking in a a deep breath to enjoy this prayer. We're going to be looking at a series of prayers in the Bible, and we're going to be reflecting on those and uh, digging into them for practical tools that we might use as a church. That's what prayer is. Now, second question that we need to ask this morning, do you pray? A genuine question. If you do, how would you rate your prayer life? Uh, The author and pastor Tim Keller gives a really helpful image to diagnose how we're doing in our prayer life. He pictures a a boat, a boat with sails and oars might look a little bit like this one. Uh, Imagine your soul is this boat. Perhaps you're sailing, right? Your sails are filled with wind. The wind is at your back. You, you can't be stopped. You're enjoying time with God. There's closeness between you. There's answered prayers that you're seeing all over your life. And prayer seems and feels just kind of as natural as, as breathing. Maybe you're rowing. You're not feeling the wind, but you're still moving forward still heading in the right direction. Uh, It's taking effort. You're working hard. It is a bit of a a dry spell, but you're being disciplined. You're going to tough it out. Maybe you're rowing or perhaps you're drifting. You're feeling that same dryness, but you're not moving. There's no action. You're not going anywhere. It just seems easier and, I don't know, more comfortable to, to watch another show than to get up and pray. Or perhaps, fourthly, your boat is sinking. You've been drifting for so long, you're, you're numb. And so if some major storm were to hit your life, well, you can see a way that you'd just give up 
on your Christian identity. It's not holding you much at all. I wonder which of those images, which boat do you most resonate with? I've got to be honest, I was punched in the guts when I read this because I think I look back on my Christian life and, and so much of it I think I've just spent drifting. That prayer doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally for me. I'm lazy. I lack self-discipline. And to be honest, I think I've seen this week that I'm just horribly self-reliant. I think I can do it. I don't need God's help. And so I am excited to be in this series on prayer. I want to grow in this part of my life. I want to go deeper with the Lord in prayer. And I hope and pray for all of us that as we spend time in January praying, that is something we will all experience. That is why we are starting with this prayer in John 17. It's a time of year when, when new resolutions are made. Hands up if you're still going on your resolutions. Not many hands. Mine wouldn't be up either if I wasn't at the front. Uh, we're resolving to be better, aren't we, in 2023? Uh, so I want to start not with another resolution, but with a refreshing revelation. Jesus prays for us. We don't blow into our own sails, right? It starts with God. God himself is the one who stirs up that wind to blow us forward in our Christian life. Jesus, here we see him in John 17, before his father praying for you and I. It's so encouraging. We meet Jesus at the end of a meal. He's with his closest friends. They've shared their last supper together. This is the eve, uh, the night before he will be arrested and, and crucified. And as the meal draws to a close, Jesus prays, and it's precious, right? Because we often see that Jesus prays in the Gospels. But we don't often get what he prays, but here we do. He prays, as men read, for himself, that he would finish his work on earth and glorify his Father. That's the first five verses of this chapter. Then he prays for his disciples for their protection as he leaves them in verses 6 to 19. And then verses 20 to 26, this is where we'll camp out today. He prays for us. Look with me uh, at verse 20 if you've still got your Bible open. This is what Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their, the disciples, through their word. Jesus is praying for anyone after this meal, anyone who hasn't met him in the flesh, but believes he is who he says he is, believes he is the, the visible image of the invisible God, who believes that because of the words of the disciples. So if you're a Christian this morning, that is you. Jesus prays for you. In fact, get this, he's still praying for us. This is from Hebrews 7. Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, in other words, lives always to pray for us. I love this, right? This is the, the Trinity at work. We believe in a, a triune God. And here it is, God the Son, that's Jesus, is in before his Father, God, praying for us and 
God the Spirit is the response to this prayer. God pours out His Spirit on those whom Jesus prays for. So, no matter what state our prayer life is in, no matter what boat we resonated with, Jesus is praying for us. He knows what we went through last year and and all the years before that. He knows how the first eight days of this year have started for us. He knows what lies before us this year. And Jesus is there in the throne room of the, the God who made the universe. And he's praying for Ben. And he's pleading for Emily. And he's interceding for Trish. And for each one of us, by name, Jesus, right now, is praying for us. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? And what is he praying? Well, we get a a window into that in verses 20 to 26. We're going to use three headings, three signposts to guide us through this last bit of his prayer. He prays for oneness. He prays for mission. And he prays that we would see his glory. So let's look at this first one. I wasn't very good at maths at schools. I'm not sure if the rules of mathematics allow this, but here goes anyway. There are two dimensions to our oneness. Can we do that? Uh, There's a a vertical dimension. There's our oneness with God, and there is a horizontal dimension, our oneness with each other. That's maths, right? That works. Uh, Let's have a look at verse 21. We'll think about our oneness with God first. Have a look. He prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us. Jesus' concern here is that we would have oneness, that we, and this is miraculous, we would experience the same intimacy that he has with his Father. It's the same thing he prays in verse 22, that they, that's us, may be one, even as we, that's he and his Father, may be one. It's not a perfect analogy, right? But imagine parents, who, uh, a couple who love each other very much, husband and wife, uh, deeply in love, and then they start having children. And, and no matter how many children they have, they still find more love for that child. They still love their family. There's no end. There's no limit. Well, we are swept up into that perfect love. The, the same eternal love of father and son that they've enjoyed since the foundation of the world. And so we are invited to call God Father. In fact, it's, it's better than that. It's, the word Father might conjure up some idea of distance or, or standoffishness, but no, Paul says in Galatians 4, the Christian is an adopted child of God. And because we have the Spirit, His Spirit, living in us, we can call Him Abba, Father. That's the the Jewish word for Dad, Daddy. That's the the proximity that we are welcomed into. There's a, a famous picture of John F. Kennedy, President of the United States. He's working in the Oval Office, desk piled high with important looking papers. But there at his feet peeking out from under his desk is his son, John Jr. Here's the picture. It's adorable, isn't it? Here is the most important man in the world, maybe the busiest man in the world. But for John Jr., he's just dad. It's a beautiful picture of access and 
and familiarity and even intimacy, isn't it? Good dads don't chase their sons and daughters away. They're not too busy to see them. They welcome their kids with a hug and a, and a kiss and a listening ear. God is a good dad. He invites us to come and, and spend time with Him. He doesn't shoo us away. He loves it when we do. At the start of a new year, we often take stock of our lives, don't we? We kind of look back and see how we're going and, and where we're going. And maybe as we've done that this year, we see things that we don't like, right? We see the patterns of sin that we're trapped in, the habits that we keep falling for, and they're hurting us and even hurting other people. And when we see those things, it can make us resistant to come to God, right? Because we feel shame. We feel like He won't accept us if we're not kind of clean and, and perfect. Maybe the, the cycle you're seeing is that cycle of temptation, sexual temptation, and so then you're using porn or you're in casual sexual relationships, and then there's shame and regrets afterwards. Or maybe it's a cycle of anger rising up within us. And so as it builds, we eventually lash out with words or, or, or physical violence, and then we only end up hurting other people and regretting it ourselves. Or maybe it's a cycle of jealousy welling up inside of us. We've seen everyone else's perfect Christmas pictures on socials, and we're jealous. We didn't have a perfect Christmas, and so we pick those people apart, even just in our hearts, to find something imperfect about them that might make us feel better, but it might last for a little while, but we only end up festering in resentment. We don't like ourselves when we see those habits, uh, and when we fall into them again, but we do like that little taste of sin, and so we're, we're trapped, and we're hesitant to come to God, right? That's how it works. Maybe for you, what you've seen is not a, a pattern so much as this one huge mistake, one big event in your past that you can't get past. Maybe it's a, a relationship we ruined or some harm, great harm we caused to someone else, and that's the thing that stops us coming to God, because we might picture Him as a, a stern father, arms folded in judgment, angry or, or worse, not angry, but just disappointed. But friend, that's not the person Jesus introduces us to here. This God is a father. He yearns for us to come home and, and sit at His feet. He invites us in and under His desk. And you know, praying is, is one of the best ways we can experience intimacy and, and oneness with God. That is to, to spend time with a dad who delights in us. So, here's something. I encourage you to try this week. Take your diaries, block out half an hour in there, God time, nothing else can interrupt or get in the way. Brew your drink of choice. Find a comfortable spot at the right time of the day when things are quiet and peaceful and, and just talk to God. Start how you'd start a conversation with a friend. Tell him how you're doing, your highs and your lows for that day, the, the people you've met and the, the feelings that have been stirred up in you. Look, from there, our prayers will grow and they'll evolve and they'll deepen and they'll spin out to other people and, and other places, but start there. Start in 
conversation. God loves that quality time with you. Chu Churn Morgan puts it beautifully. She writes, you are stepping into a conversation that is older than time itself, one that belongs to the very court of heaven. God himself has enlarged that circle, has made a place for us in that delightful conversation that has existed from infinity past. Jesus prays we would experience oneness with God. And then flowing from that oneness is a, a oneness that we have with each other. Jesus prays that Christian brothers and sisters would stand together, that we would be united together to mirror the unity of this triune God. Here's the end of verse 22. He says that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one. I love that note, that last bit, per becoming perfectly one. It's a unity we enjoy, the, the foundation of which is shared belief in God, a God we know because Jesus has introduced him to us. He's made, he's made God known, and we have known that through the words and testimony of the disciples, and we believe they're true because we share the same spirit. It's grounded our unity in the Trinity again. And this togetherness should be visible where Christians gather together, right? Anywhere we gather together, and the place that happens most often, it's the local church, right? City on a Hill Jesus is praying for our oneness. And I love that Jesus knows how things are going to play out, right? He knows something that lots of us, all of us probably have experienced in our lives, that oneness is not yet perfect. That's why he prays that we may become perfectly one. We are a work in progress. So, when someone in church does something that hurts us, and they will, Jesus is praying that we would find it within us, empowered by him to forgive that person, and so unity be restored. Jesus is praying that when we do something that hurts someone else, and we will, by accident or on purpose, Jesus is praying that we would own that mistake and, and seek forgiveness from that person so unity be restored. He's praying that when we disagree on something that's not core to the gospel, right? Not central, like when is the right time to be baptized, or, or the kind of songs we sing, there's too much of this style or there's not enough of that same style. He's praying for us uh, that whether we lean left or we lean right in politics and we might divide over that, Jesus is praying that we would reach over those differences and that we would embrace one another in unity so we might become one. So, how are we doing as an answer to Jesus' prayer any relationship sores that we need to sort out? Any angry words that we need to apologize for and seek forgiveness for? Any neglect of someone, whether by accident or on purpose, that we need to own and, and seek forgiveness for? Any angry words, even in our hearts, that we need to deal with? 
Today is a great day to deal with them. Seek that person out. Own what you have done wrong. Offer forgiveness if you have been wrong. That is to play our part, to answer Jesus' prayer for our oneness. It really matters to Jesus, right? He's praying for this on the night before he dies. And here's why. This is so important. Second part of his prayer. It matters for mission. Jesus prays for mission. You see, the oneness that the Christian is invited into, the closeness with God and with each other, it's not a a closed relationship. His mission in sending Jesus is to make himself known. And he wants that mission to continue after Jesus departs. Uh, Right up into the 19th century, the source of the River Nile, the longest river in the world, had fascinated people for thousands of years. This, This river parred an ancient and ongoing civilization in Egypt. It brought life where there was only desert aside from this river. It was the longest one in the world, but yet no one had officially charted its source. So in the age of European exploration and colonization in the 19th century, two explorers, here they are, Richard Burton and John Hanning speak. They risked everything to find where this mighty river began. They suffered disease, debilitating disease and bankruptcy. They suffered food shortages and attacks. Burton had a spear thrust through one side of his cheek and out the other. They risked it all, suffered to know the source of this precious life flow. The effects of the river were obvious, right? They could see the impact, everyone could, that it had on the land that it flowed through. People just had to know where it came from. Where did it start? What was its source? And eventually, speak Dawes, though, it would cost him his life not long after that. It's a bit like that with God. Not that we would die when we discover who he is, but as his love flows, the effects are meant to be obvious. Life is meant to flourish, and it does. And so compelling is that, as we see it, that so compelling is the impact God has in our lives and in the life of our community and the love we have for each other and for the city that we find ourselves in. People will be drawn in curiosity to discover the source of this love. And unlike the Nile, the source will not be hard to find because Jesus reveals God to the world. And that mission continues twice. Jesus says here that the the purpose of the church's oneness is so that, verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And again, verse 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. God so loved this world that he sent his son into the world so that people would believe in him and by believing have life in his name. His mission is to make himself known. And after this phase of the mission, this Jesus phase is finished when Jesus departs, the mission's meant to continue in the second phase. And that's our job, the church. Continuing that mission to testify to God as the the source of our love. Mission is at the heart of God's 
purpose for this world. So two implications that we should note. Uh, If God's on about mission, so should we be, right? We should be praying and acting in mission. But secondly, if we believe in Jesus, we're actually the answer to his prayer, right? We believe because we've seen this love at work in a a community of people, and and we've heard about Jesus. They've shared Jesus through the, the words of the disciples. Church, we are the testimony that there is power in this prayer. So, look, if you're here today because you are weighing up Christianity, may I be so bold to say that you are in the perfect place to consider it. Because if you stick around, you'll get to see whether there is any truth in these words, whether there is any power in this prayer. If there's not, then you will find City on a Hill no different to any other gathering of people around the city. There'll be no discernible difference in the the diversity or the, the depth or the quality of our relationships that you would find anywhere else. And if that's what you find, we're not living up to our calling as a church. And your research is done, right? You can go knowing that there is none of the, the divine power that we say there is in Christianity. But if you do find patterns of behavior that, that point to a, a deeper kind of love, and I hope and pray you do, well, maybe your life will be changed forever. I hope you find strangeness among the people here at City on a Hill. I hope you find this, this weird urge to give money away instead of hoarding it so that this mission will continue, that the gospel would continue to flourish and churches continue to be built. I hope you find a diverse group of people mixing together, not just mingling and kind of bumping shoulders in a crowd, but actually relating to each other, listening to each other and to you, making time, having you in their homes, hearing your story, being genuinely curious about you because you matter. I hope that's what you find. I hope you find people going out of their way, even to the point of their own discomfort to help you. When you're in need, they show up with stuff. When, when you're alone, they check in with you to make sure that you know you're not doing life on your own. When you need support, they're there. Friends, I hope in your search for the truth, this is what you find. I hope this is a church community that you see and meet. And as you do, you'll hear us say week in, week out, that the source of this love is God himself. And church, that's the challenge on us, to be this community so captivated in the love shared with us by Jesus that we are just bursting to share it with other people. How could we not? Jesus prays his mission continues through us, and he's ongoing. He says this in verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Christians, how good would it be if our prayers were saturated with that same concern for mission? So, here's something. I'm going to try. Maybe you can try this too. This is a habit I want to start and form over the next six months. I'm going to keep a mission prayer journal. We're about to move to Ballarat. We're going to plant another church with City on a Hill in Ballarat. And as we do, I've got a journal, pen and paper, so I can take note of the people that I meet and the conversations that we have. And that means that I can pray for people by name, and I I remember a little bit about their story. 
And I can pray that the next time we meet, the conversation goes that little bit deeper so that we get past surface chit-chat and into things that really matter to us. I, I can pray that I would be a good listener. Lord, may, may we have the chance to share the practical love of Jesus with them. May I have a chance to share my hope in Jesus with them. But why? Because I want to be more intentional in playing my part on this mission that God has started. I want to be more deliberate in praying missional prayers. I, I want people to come and experience this overflowing love of God. I'd love you to ask me how I'm doing with it. And if you have a go, I'd love to hear how you're doing with it too. Jesus prays for mission. He prays for our oneness. Last thing, third thing he prays for here is that we would see his glory. This is so good. The glory of God is like the, the radiance of the sun. It bursts outwards. It can't be contained, and it bathes us in light and heat and life, right? As we head out from the darkness in here, when we go outside after the service, we'll be dazzled by the light. That's what happens, right? When you go from darkness to light, that's, that's what it's like to see and experience God's glory. Think of the, the glory that shone around the angels as they announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds. Think of the, the glory of Jesus that Peter saw on that mountain of transfiguration. Or, or we think of the, the glory that bathes the new Jerusalem, that heavenly city, bathed in His glorious light in Revelation 21. Jesus prays that we would see His glory. And it's a glory we see now, in part, because Jesus has revealed God to us. He says this in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Jesus is our window into seeing what God is truly like. And so when we pray, we pray to someone we know. And we can pray, therefore, with awe and adoration, because that is to pray the pray that Jesus prays. How do we do it? Well, a great way for us to do, to pray big prayers of, of adoration is to use the Bible to pray, to turn it back to God in prayer. It's full of images and languages of God's greatness and, and majesty that we can use. We can even use this prayer, John 17. It might go something like this. God, you are awesome because you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus. We can see your glory. God, you're awesome because you, the Lord of all creation, invite us to be one with you. God, you're awesome for you invite us to experience the love you have for one another, Father, Son, and Spirit. How majestic are you, awesome God. To pray like this is to to follow the example of Jesus with awe and adoration and giving God the honor he is due. In fact, we're going to pray this prayer in just a moment. Graham's going to lead us in this prayer using the words that Jesus prays in John 17, modeling it for us. It's a, a glorious gift that Jesus gives us. He's shown us a glimpse of God's glory, but he prays that it would get even better. 
Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. It's a prayer that we would persevere, that we would stick with him, that we would be there when we can see Him in all His glory, His fullness and splendor revealed. That's the end goal of mission, and it's the purpose of His prayer. We see Him now in glory as God's Son. We, we know Him, and, and we can experience intimacy and open conversation with Him always. That is a great gift, but there will be a day when it will be better by far, because we will see Him face to face. So, no matter what state our prayer life is in, no matter what boat we resonated with, whether we're sailing or, or rowing or drifting or even sinking, please don't despair. Jesus is praying for us, and His desire is that we would go deeper in our love for Him and that we would know deeper His love for us and that we would be there on that day when there will be no distractions, no seasons of dryness, no drifting, no, we would see the fullness of His glory and we will enjoy Him forever. That is what Jesus is praying for you and I right now. Isn't that good news? Let's sit with that thought for a moment of quiet. And then we should pray, shouldn't we? Graham will lead us in prayer. Let's join with the Lord Jesus in praying to our Heavenly Father. Father and Son, we adore you for your eternal, perfect love for one another through the Holy Spirit. We praise you that that love has overflowed to us and our world in creation and in redemption. We praise you, Father, for glorifying the Son who was with you before the creation of the world. We praise you for giving him all authority through his life, death and resurrection and ascension, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for sending your beloved Son that we might receive the gift of eternal life through him. You are so good and generous. Lord Jesus, we thank you for accomplishing all that is needed for eternal life for graciously giving us that life and for praying for us. You are so good and generous. Holy Spirit, we thank you for drawing us 
to the Lord Jesus so that we might know that we are children of your Father. You are so good and generous. Father, you have placed us in the world to make you known. It's a good world, but marred by darkness, brokenness and sin. In the face of attack from the evil one, please protect us and deliver us from temptation. In the face of the world's opposition, guard us in the truth. We pray that we might know the joy of your word as it lights our path and makes us wise for salvation in Jesus. And Father, we, we join with your Son in praying for unity among your people, in our world, our city and our church. Dear Father, please unite us in Christ that we may be one as you and he are one. Holy Spirit, bear your fruit among us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that the world may see your goodness and love among us. Help us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry with one another. Give us the courage to pursue reconciliation with our brothers and sisters as you have reconciled us to yourself. Dear Father, we so need your transforming work in us as we so easily revert to selfishness and disunity. And we ask this, we plead for this, not just for our good, but so that the world may know you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Please strengthen us to know Jesus and make Jesus known this year as we embrace your love, truth and grace and display it to a needy world. And Father, help us to see the glory of Jesus and be with him now in this world and protect us to the end when we shall see the fullness of his glory, the oneness of you and your son face to face and be with you forever in the world to come. We pray these things as Jesus prayed them, so that you and he may be glorified as you deserve. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.